This morning, uh, we're going to be looking at Scripture and some things a little differently than we normally do. But then again, I'm not much into tradition and all that kind of thing. So almost every week could be pretty much unlike we normally do. Because I'm not sure what normal is in my life. But I want us to look at some topics and do some consideration uh, about some different things. But I wanted to first of all say that um, yesterday I went on a little picnic with a few of my best friends. And the little picnic had about 300 people. Uh, Our church had a church-wide picnic yesterday. And um, the participation was really wonderful. We got to watch people from the Cantonese congregation, the Mandarin congregation, the English congregation, all mix and uh, just spend time together playing. And we still got to watch some very interesting things going on. But I had kind of normally with the sermon, I have an illustration that kind of gets me into a particular topic. But as I saw that yesterday, it kept coming to me that what we were experiencing really is what I want to talk about today. And that is that our church, in the broader sense of all the congregations we've got, we're a mix of cultures. We are not one culture. Uh, We have people who came to Canada 40 years ago from Hong Kong and have a good Hong Kong perspective of life. We have people that came to Canada week before last. We have people who have grown up here. We have people who speak only English. We have people who speak speak primarily Cantonese. We have Mandarin speakers from northern China. We have all of these different groups that are all mixed together and are all part of one family. And yes, we're part of one family, but that doesn't guarantee when I use a vocabulary word and someone else uses a vocabulary word that it carries the same weight or importance or even meaning. And so, as we look at the world in which we live and we talk about doing evangelism, we've got this great group of people headed to Seau and even there, there are going to be some cultural differences The ones who were in Guatemala, they got to see still the unifying factor of the love of God. They got to experience in their heart and and, and the, the closeness that those people have with the same Father. Praise God for the ones that were in Guatemala and had that experience. And they bring it back and share that great news that there is one Father that's available to all. But when the group goes to say, oh, they're going to have their hands full because they're going to be communicating things to people who have a different daily experience than we do. It's not saying it's bad. It's just saying it's different. And the challenge exists. And we have to recognize in our lives that even the challenge exists for those of us who all live here in Vancouver And maybe even those people you work with daily. They have different values and different goals, different purposes, different plans. I struggle because I work on this kind of plane of trying to understand how to communicate ideas. And there are times I want to say, I'm going to say everything at half speed. 
And just see if this time, by saying it slower, we can actually communicate the depth of the importance of what we're talking about. But that's not a guarantee either. So as we're looking today, we're, we're asking ourselves some very interesting questions, but we're dealing with a topic as opposed to just straight up Scripture. We're looking at worldviews. And we've talked about worldviews before, and people do, in this day and time, have that conversation quite often. But the fact is, everyone has a worldview. How we view the, the environment and the society and the goals and the values of all that's going on around us. It's a way of looking uh, through our eyes and, and viewing and observing and experiencing the life in which we live. We all have a worldview, and most Christians would hope that they have a biblical worldview. That is our dream. Biblical worldview is one based on the thinking of Jesus, that we would have His values, His morals, His goals. But frankly speaking, we seldom are very successful at this. We may have it in our theory, but when it comes to application, it's another challenge. We may have the knowledge. We may even have the skills. We may be through our church have learned certain things that we should do. And then we learn how to do what we should do. But when it comes to daily application, we have to ask ourselves whether we compromise and lose our worldview because of the influences of other things. Our worldview is uh, often developed by our society. It's uh, a part of our postmodern world. When we're not careful, we allow gossip and prejudices and unhealthy content to go into our minds and our thinking and our values. And it impacts how we see things, how we hear things, and what we say. It influences what we hear, what we say, and what we see, and how we function. I just said that twice. And that's because it's that important. We have to be sensitive to the fact that the Christian worldview, the biblical worldview, demands of us something quite different than what is currently being referred to as the postmodern worldview. We have that value being poured on us through our television, through our media, through our texting, through all that we do. And yet we as Christians are saying our hope is that we have a biblical worldview. And yet, that's very difficult to do. Indeed, one of our greater challenges for you and me is so often we find ourselves in the middle of decision-making. And for me, decision-making is probably the most important aspect, or at least one of the most important aspects of my daily experience. Deciding, do I do this? Do I do that? We make thousands of decisions every day. But are my decisions based on... My friends' values, 
the things that I hear on television? Is it based on what everybody else says is good? Popularity? Of a particular direction? Or are my decisions based on what God would have me do? A biblical model. We all have to choose where our worldview finds its base. Today, we have a few scriptures, I think, that challenge me. Now, you have to understand, my worldview is the Bible is my standard. If you like or don't like what I do, or you say, oh, well, you know, and there's going to be people, I receive criticism only every day. And when I say criticism, I mean negative criticism. Because the word criticism is a neutral term. It can go either way. But it, it comes. It comes at you too. Are they, are, the question for me though is, am I being consistent in my worldview toward God? Is it truly a biblical worldview? When you find me doing things that are against the Scripture... Or even questioning whether it is, I don't mind you telling me, but if you're making the judgment based on what's popular today, what society wants, it's a different issue. But we all have to choose our worldview. Looking at some, my point being, the scripture is my standard. I don't succeed all the time. Don't misunderstand. I am in this room a sinner along with all of you. Only, I fail only every day to be successful in following the biblical worldview. Only every day. And yet it's still my goal. It's still the standard that sits in front of me and challenges me. It gives me an understanding of that which is important and which is not important. Romans 12.2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect His will really is. My brothers, my sisters, the Scripture is very simple. It simply says, if we do not have the mind of Christ, we have not been transformed. The challenge is to have, to become a new person, to have a strange perspective of the world compared to the postmodern mentality. Because postmodernism is very, very self-centered, very much focused on how I view the world. This is saying, according to scripture, you're not supposed to match just like everybody else on the street thinks. That's not, their, their goals and their values are not your goals and values. So the Scripture says you should be transformed. So we need to ask ourselves, before we say I have a biblical worldview, in all reality, have I been changed? Have I been transformed? We had two people come a few moments ago and received a gift from our church that they were baptized. Praise God, they were baptized. But that baptism doesn't make them sinless. It doesn't mean from now on, life's going to be great. In all truth, they have started a very challenging pathway to follow a difficult pathway. They're going to be walking that path. 
And they've been walking that path. And part of that path included being baptized as a testimony of Jesus in their lives. Transformation. Not a simple matter. Colossians 2.8 says, Don't let anybody, Colossians 2.8, Don't let anyone lead you astray with empty philosophy and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the evil powers of this world and things that are not from Christ. There is a battle that is going on around us, a spiritual battle for the hearts and minds of people. The goal is to control our minds. And we're so impressed. I remember when I was in college, I really enjoyed studying philosophy and studying all these guys that had lived hundreds of years before and understanding their perspective. And boy, they could twist my mind around in circles. But I still thought it was so fascinating trying to understand what their values were what they were talking about. And yet I read in this Scripture and it warns me, be careful what you study. Don't, it doesn't say don't study. It simply says, recognize that there are a lot of things in this world that are presented to you that are wrong. That means we have to be constantly evaluating. Is what I'm hearing and valuing correct or not correct? Don't just accept it all. We can't, but we do. When we talk about postmodernism, very often it's simply because it's coming at us from the left and the right and the top and the bottom, and no one is challenging it. Certainly the church has a responsibility to challenge and to ask ourselves, what worldview do you have? The battle is going on and we're inundated with all kinds of different values. Philippians 2, verses 1 to 8. Philippians 2, verses 1 to 8 says, If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than yourselves. Look not every man onto his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which is also in Jesus Christ, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That Scripture, I've already told you, in my value system, this is what the standard is. But see, that standard that I just read is not the standard of the world in which we live. The battle that we've spoken of, I have experienced in my heart many times. If you'll note in the Scripture we just read, it says that Jesus humbling Himself, being obedient, and not worrying about reputation for Himself. Wow, I'm so struck with it. it just, it's like He has hit me across the face with His fist to say, I'm telling you, wake up. 
number of years ago, I was working with an organization where I was supervising a number of people uh, across a very broad range of uh, uh, area of, in, in East Asia. And uh, I had a team of workers that I had were sending also out doing training in different places. And we would go in different locations and go in for a week or two weeks into places that were really pretty rough. Um, very good experiences working with local people. Marvelous experiences. But also in my work responsibilities, I, w- I had a very broad work responsibility. Part of it had me coming occasionally back to the United States, about twice a year. And I would come back and I would go over to the United States and go to num- numerous churches. Well, when I was in those churches, for me, because of my history and background, um, I always found Chinese churches. Uh, I know that we have perfectly good white churches running around. The Anglo churches are everywhere. But most of the other guys that I knew who came over to this side of the world, those were the churches they hit up. Because part of it had to do with language. They felt, oh, I feel more comfortable talking in English. Even though they've been working in Asia, still preferred to, and so that, to hit the, the uh, Caucasian churches. So they would go into those Anglo-Caucasian churches and share and encourage people to come to work in our area and this kind of thing. But for me, I always thought, well, I'm going to go ahead and keep hitting the Chinese circles up because they have the tools to get to work a lot quicker and they have the great camouflage that lets them go anywhere in China anytime they want to and not ever have to worry too much. And uh, even though I don't have that, uh, praise God, God's given me a lot of opportunities anyway. But it was a wonderful experience going. And so I got to know all these different churches. Well, in, in Asia, I hit a rather major conflict with a new leader that had been put in place who really did not have clarity for what he was doing. And Oh, I struggled. And I got over to uh, Los Angeles, actually and was with a group of people that I had met with probably over the years 15 times at least. And we got in this room, we had about 30 people, and we were talking about the work in Asia and the needs for medical work, the need for orphanage work, and the need for straight-up evangelism work, and the need for different things in different locations. And we had a marvelous time, just like we always did. And so they started scheduling different small groups that they would be sending to different places. And I was hooking them up with different guys and girls that I knew who were in different locations that would be able to work with them. And so it was, everything was going great. But somehow there was some really, really confusing communication that occurred. And this guy, this new leader in Asia, not knowing how we had been doing this for years and years, jumped in the middle of it all with some real strange, awkward communication. And he wrote some things that didn't quite match our reality. Well, when he did, you know, we, we got into some, some different things. That, but the, the issue for me was, if I report what he is doing, what is the value to the kingdom of God? Again, trying to seek, what is that biblical worldview? What I do, not everybody knows how I function. Maybe, maybe they don't need to know. If I jump into this and I report, that guy could have lost his job. But is that going to help the kingdom of God? And so I had the church in Los Angeles wrote 
to me while I was back in Asia. And they said, we just received this very peculiar email. And it's not accurate. They said, we were with you in the meetings. We know what you do and how you do it. We've been working as co-workers for years. Should we write to the main offices and let them know that this is, a, is messy and that this guy should never have been in the job in the first place? And I thought, oh my goodness, I really don't want it to become that big a deal. But I did struggle. Now, the struggle was where? You know, I just got through reading the Scripture. Jesus, He was obedient, He was humble, and He did not worry about His reputation. It was difficult for me to say to myself, my reputation is in God's hands. Those who know me. So the people that were writing to me and saying, this stuff is not accurate. I said, the good news is, you know it's not accurate. For us to make this any bigger is not going to help our ministry in the long run. In the big, big picture, me getting cleared is not important. It was a difficult challenge. Because I'm just as human as anybody else. No one likes for your name to be thrown through the mud. But throwing other people's name in the mud is not good either. I was struggling, but I do thank the Lord that we can see in testimony that Jesus was obedient, He was humble, and He took no concern about reputation. My goodness, I'm still a sinner who makes mistakes only every day. Jesus didn't make sin, sin in part of His life. And yet, His reputation was constantly being challenged by those around Him. You and I all have a challenge of asking ourselves, where is my worldview from? What is the foundation of my worldview? Today I want to give you a little brief test. Now this test just is a list of questions, and you don't have to pass the test, and I'm not going to give you any candy if you succeed. We're just going to give you some questions. But here are some things, and I know that as I said yesterday in that picnic, we have people from different days. For some of you, you're going to hear what I say, and you're going to say, well, of course, sure, naturally. Some of you, if you'll listen closely, down in your heart of hearts, your worldview may be a little bit more postmodern than even you've thought about. <clears throat> some of the questions. When you hear these, number one, do you believe... That Jesus lived a sinless life? Number two, God is the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe. And He still rules it today. These are all yes and no questions in your mind. Number three, salvation is a gift from God and cannot be earned. Number four, Satan is real. Number five, a Christian has a responsibility to share his faith in Christ with other people. Number six, the Bible is accurate in its teachings. The virgin birth of Jesus, the deity of Christ, 
the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Conversion. Regeneration. Sanctification. The cross of Christ and the atonement. The bodily resurrection of Jesus. These are things that many would uh, clearly define as tied to their worldview. Today, we have to recognize as we consider these various things that uh, uh, a definition needs to be used. So if you look in your bulletin, up in this section, where this is our point. You know, if you're one of these people that requires a, a, an outline for a sermon to be adequate, the only outline you've got here is one and two. You've got one on the left is going to be the one dealing with Christian biblical worldview and the one on the right dealing with postmodern worldview. This is a comparison for us because it's so much a part of our world. So much a part of our lives. And we need to know what we really believe. If you'll note in point number one, the Christian worldview you'll see on the left is very, very clean. says what we believe. But on the right, we see a world that's quite different. And we'll read through the ideas on the right as we look at the postmodern world because that's where our challenge is. Any concept of God is a personal idea and no absolutes come from this. Each person's story and desire is acceptable to them. Right and wrong are hard to define. And man is not seen for having nor needing a purpose. Now, I'm not saying everyone in this room would agree with this. I'm simply saying we have a world full of people that are leaning in this direction. And for our Christians, especially our young people, they are having to struggle because these are the values of their friends. Number two, all truth is relative. Now, this issue on truth is a major issue because we're dealing with the issue of absolute truth versus relative truth. If you look at on the left side, you see the emphasis on the Bible is to say we do have absolute truth. When there is no absolute truth, there is no right and wrong because everything's relative. So whatever a person feels becomes most important. And when there's no right and wrong, there's no need or definition to the word sin. And when there are no, no definitions tied to sin, who is going to make up the standards? Who's going to decide what is acceptable and what is not acceptable? Even the government of China, of, China, of the USA, and of Canada, these different large countries are struggling right now trying to come up with standards for what is legal and what is illegal, what is right and what is wrong. But they're doing it based on how people are feeling the largest number of people, how they feel about various things. For the Christian, we have to ask the question how we view the Bible. Is the Bible a book that has errors all the way through it or not? And who is to decide? If you say the Bible is full of errors and it was written at a different time, so therefore it doesn't apply for today, then you have to ask yourself, well, who is going to determine which things in the Bible apply and which things do not. See, I tend to be one of those people that my standard is the Bible and I go in that direction rather than me be the standard and then I'll define how I want to use the Bible. We have to all make that decision. 
And it is within us at all, uh, each and every day to give us that challenge. Point number two, though, truth is relative for our world today and subject to the interpretation of the individual. This worldview is based on oneself at the center. We may say that we become our own God because we are the standard who decides what is good and bad. Number three, the Bible provides no final standard, but only ideas to receive or reject as based on selfish individual thinking. Number four, human relationships, group acceptance, and self-satisfaction are of the highest value. Subjective experiences give life its direction. And there is no sin. Very, very subjective. Again, am I a conservative? Theologically, you're looking at a guy that's very conservative. Methodologically, I'm pretty loose. I'm willing to try almost anything if it gives us a chance to talk about Jesus. But when it comes to the issue of theology, the Bible is my standard. And if I don't like what the Bible says, I change. Not the Bible changes. See, there are a lot of people out there in our world today. They'll say, oh, I'm a Christian postmodernist. I'm not sure I can agree with how those words fit together, depending on how far you take the word postmodern. Number five, values, morals, and decisions are relative to the point of total flexibility. How we live is a personal decision, and we are the center of life. This week, uh, the, I saw a piece of news that was talking about uh, the Vice President of the United States had been given special permission to perform a wedding. And it was the wedding of two men working in the White House. And it was describing all this wonderful experience of what it was like for Biden to get up and to do this wedding of two men. And even though he's not a minister, he, he was given that permission by the District of Columbia. And then it read, uh, it said in a command of a picture, smiling of these particular ones, they said it couldn't, they couldn't be happier. Two longtime White, White House staffers, two are, the two are great guys according to Biden. Uh, his wife went ahead to say, love is love. The vice president reportedly obtained a temporary certification from the District of Columbia. The whole thing goes through, though, and describes why it's acceptable. Now, I have a problem here. Again, I've already told you. I actually believe that the Bible applies for our day. And see, what I see in Scripture in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10, is this. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, I'm going to read slowly because it hits way beyond the issue, way beyond the issue of gay rights. It hits me and you because the Scripture goes on and it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10, Don't be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, adulterers, prostitutes, homosexual offenders, thieves, the greedy, drunkards, slanderers, Swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God.
In our church, we are not focused on being homophobic. We are not focused on a one particular issue mandate. Sin is sin, but there's a problem. If man declares an action to no longer be called sin, does that settle the matter for us? Just because man declared it no longer sin? You see, my standard again is not what I call sin. The issue is what God calls sin. We like it, we don't like it, that's between us and God. Leviticus 18.22 says, Do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman. That is detestable. Romans 1, 26 and 27. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with, with one other, with one each other, and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. The point is, I'm using Scripture tied specifically to Biden's actions this week. But there are other sins. We are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. If we have a standard. If we have a worldview that is a Christian worldview. Our goal is not to target any one group and say they are sinners. Because indeed, as they used to joke about this a lot of points, when you point one finger that way, you've got several fingers pointing back at yourself. We are all sinners. And there is a need for us to ask ourselves where our standards come from. Today, I want us to, to evaluate who we are and challenge ourselves. My prayer is that we will understand that in Matthew 23... Even at that point, Jesus was dealing with Pharisees. He had Pharisees, people who were religious leaders, who did have a worldview that they saw as biblical. If you say today, I have a biblical worldview, the issue is not what you know. The issue is not what you've learned for skills to be a disciple. The issue is what you apply. Daily what you apply. Are we burdened for the lost? Are we willing to learn their language? Are we willing to try to communicate that God still has standards? Matthew 23 goes through a whole chapter where it's Jesus explaining hypocrisy. Describing the world in which He lived. Our world has not changed. We are still hypocrites. We're still weak. We still need to have a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview. Today, the reason that you have those points in that bulletin is that I'm trying to challenge us all to ask ourselves, is it God we're asking to change or are we willing to change and gain His value and His morals? A biblical or Christian worldview is gaining the eyes of Jesus. Our values, morals, goals, and understanding of life's purpose and beliefs are not something that we can find within ourselves. These things come only by dependence on God. This last week I also saw one other article that struck me 
from America in the state of Iowa. There was a church that had been told uh, that it had been stepping over the bounds of what it was allowed to do. Because in their church, they distinguished male bathrooms and female bathrooms. And they had had someone who had come into their church and they had seen that and concluded that that was now illegal. And going to the male bathroom or the female bathroom was by the definition of the individual because of transgender issues. And then that began to bring struggles and the church began to talk with the government. Then they learned that the government was also trying to communicate with them how they say things and what they write Everything has to be gender neutral within their church. The reason I mention this and the reason that jumped at me so strongly is to say to you and me, whether it's issues of abortion and our standards on that, whether it's euthanasia, and that's a standard that we as Christians have to make some adjustment to in trying to figure out who we are, whether it is any of these issues, and there are many, that we have out there for us to consider. We need to ask ourselves whether or not we really believe that Canada is not going to be hitting more of those in the future. My opinion is we're going to be hitting more and more and more. And we as Christians have got to know who we are and what we believe and where truth comes from. If for you, truth is something that's from God to us and we adjust to that truth, that will be one thing. If, on the other hand, for you, truth is something you get from your classrooms and your society and you adjust to it, that will be another challenge. We must look at who we are. Let's pray. Father God, today we come before you recognizing that there is a complex world in which we live. We recognize that we are sinners because we recognize you have standards for us. Father, help us to understand that a biblical Christian worldview is more than knowledge. And that by establishing that kind of a value system in who we are, we are going to have challenges. Father, we would ask that you would help us to welcome those challenges, unite together, and deal with difficult questions and problems. It will bring difficulties and frustrations. It may bring relationship issues we've never even considered. But Father, if we as the church do not speak to truth, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If truth is found in Jesus, we're the ones to change. And we want to welcome the ability to make ourselves available to You to change us. Father, help us to truly have Your mind. Help us to have Your goals and Your values. Father, we thank You that You guide us each and every day and that You're so patient. In Jesus' name.